Hello, it's Mike Harbath with this week's uh, Shoot the Moon podcast from Revenue Rocket, uh, transmitting today from my home in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Um, today, we are going to talk about forecasting in your business. Um, most business owners that we work with in the IT services space struggle with forecasting and trying to figure out where the heck they're going in the coming years as it relates to both revenue and profit. Um, and uh, there's a variety of different forecasting methodologies you can use. And we're going to unpack some of that today um, with my partner, Ryan Barnett, who's joining us uh, also from uh, Revenue Rocket. Ryan? Hey, good morning, Mike. Yeah, we, we've had a number of clients uh, that have really struggled to put a forecast together. And it's understandable when you're in a professional services-driven world, uh, it's not necessary. Recurring revenue is a, a blessing. And uh, it's not it, it's not as predictive as other uh, uh, professional service. Essentially, it's not as predictive as other industries that are out there. So, wanted to pick your brain a bit, Mike, here, and understand today, you know, a little bit more about forecasts and what can professional services firms and uh, IT services based firms do to forecast better. So let's just start out as, you know, what is a what is a forecast, Mike? I mean, what is just uh, what is a forecast, and why is a forecast important? Yeah, so you know, a forecast from our perspective of, of is just a view, an estimate, a best guess estimate into the future. And we think all businesses should um, try to forecast both their revenue and profit for up to five years. Uh, even though knowing that those out years may be, you know, a little bit of a stretch, right? No one have, could have predicted, you know, COVID or, you know, the impact on businesses and the retraction. But based on everything you know today, being able to have a, a plausible forecast for the next quarter or next year or the coming years is important. There's a lot of constituents that need to know that information, including yourself. Um, you know, certainly if you can build a forecast, uh, it gives you a guiding guidepost or a guiding light to grow and build the business. And, you know, certainly forecasts should not be guesses. They should be built on some sort of plausible methodology. But you as the business owner um, are the closest person uh, to the business to be able to accurately estimate and forecast it. Uh, a lot of constituents uh, or, or advisors that you might have like bankers and you know strategy advisors and even potentially M and A advisors are going to ask for these forecasts and I think uh, instead of staring at a blank sheet, which uh, we find a lot of folks do, it's best to just to try to maintain those forecasts on a go forward basis. So when you think about forecasts, it seems like there's a few different audiences involved in picking together. Uh, you you'd mentioned. Uh, bankers needing one. Uh, let's strip it back a little bit. Uh, why is it important for a company to simply have a forecast and, and perhaps uh, goals to go with that forecast? Well, I think it's the foundation of all things strategy in your business, right? So, um, it, you know, it, as I often say, uh, you know, without a roadmap, any road will get you there. Um, and the th same thing applies to business. So, um, you really begin to formulate your planning, your strategy planning, your investment methodology, your uh, you know investment in marketing and sales and 
and uh, in general and GNA, you know, uh, all is based on assuming that you have a forecast. And without that forecast, you can't really build a budget for the business. So I think, you know, the best businesses, the ones we see that are the most profitable, fastest growing businesses, certainly know where they're going. They're not just sort of stumbling through. They're saying, hey, we're expecting this type of performance this year and this type of performance next year and all things the same, you know, these kinds of performance milestones over the next three or four years are plausible. And then that can drive, you know, your budgeting. And ultimately, it may also drive whether you need to do lending, uh, forecasting on, you know, where there may need to be some infusion of capital in the business to get to your forecast. Uh, it just drives a lot of strategic decisions that you need to sort of back into. Sure, and if you if you can compare that to a, a perhaps a forecast that's needed for an acquisition or a, a sell side event, uh, how would a how how would a forecast differ or, or be put together uh, compared to that a strategy type forecast? Yeah, you know, a, a forecast for a for a the, in support of sort of valuation work or in support of a conversation about an M and A deal is a much simpler forecast. That's a forecast that really has only two numbers for any given year, which is revenue and expected adjusted EBITDA. And uh, adjusted EBITDA has to do with, you know, oftentimes if you're selling your firm, um, your cost, if you're selling out, let's say you're gonna plan to move on in six months, or maybe you're closing your office, you're gonna merge it with a buyer's office, those things are going to be considered addbacks to EBITDA or addbacks to profit, and it's going to impact profit. Um, so, uh, you know, a forecast that is a, what I'll call somewhat synergistic forecast, where you're going to make uh, going to have changes in the uh, cost side of your business, certainly would be one that would be applicable for, um, you know, in support of a transaction, right, an M&A transaction. That I compare and contrast that to a forecast just uh, you you might have on an on, from an ongoing basis. Um, you, you're going to maybe look to increase costs, right? As you scale the business, you're going to have to add staff. Uh, you're most likely going to be making other changes in the business in order to support your growth targets, um, and that may you know mean that those numbers um, you know are somewhat uh, inverse in the sense that you know, you will be adding some costs. Now, certainly if you're growing the business, you'll be offsetting some of those costs, will be supported by uh, additional sales and obviously realized profit. So, uh, but those two forecasts are, are fairly different. They're sort of your ongoing target forecast operating the business. And and uh, if you're gonna support an M&A transaction, it would include sort of some synergy savings, typically uh, where you may be taking some cost out should you be selling. Sure. Uh, I'm curious, Mike, is there a methodology or just a way that makes forecasting a little bit simpler, um, especially when you're, let's let's take the, the model of evaluation. So again, the, our primary drivers for evaluation are going to be uh, a historical look back, and, and which is going to include some growth percentages and some forecasting. And then uh, uh, typically, that's going to be paired with a five-year forecast that's used for a discounted cash flow model. Uh, what's the simplest way 
that a professional services firm or an IT services firm should uh, be forecasting for uh, for that five-year projection? Well, you know, I think you have to look at your past, right? You know, you know, we often say success leaves clues uh, as well. So, you know, you need to look at how you've grown the business historically um, and how you feel the growth, you know, prospects are for the business moving forward. Uh, and, and in some ways, you know, forecasting is, um, you know, it's, it's, you're, you're attempting to predict the future, but you've got to sort of look at the velocity in the business and take into consideration history. From time to time, we see forecasts where, you know, we often call them a hockey stick, where maybe someone's been growing the business 5 to 7 or 10% a year, and suddenly they're forecasting 25% year-over-year growth. Well, uh, you know, that doesn't really pass the Smith, uh, SNF test because, you know, what are you going to do so dramatically different in the next five years that you haven't done in the past five years? Um, and so the, that, that historical performance needs to hang together with that forecast. Now, maybe legitimately you could make the argument, you know, that you're going to go radically change hiring and you're going to go, um, you know, add a bunch of, you know, resources to marketing and sales. And you would expect that that should dramatically change the, the growth. However, it's not proven. It's simply a theory. And oftentimes, if a buyer looks at that, they're going to say, well, maybe not so much because you certainly haven't proven it. Now, if in the last year or two, you've had accelerated growth and you feel that's sustainable, you certainly could you know, build upon that as well. But I think you have to really begin uh, by looking at history and the growth trajectory of the business um, as an indicator of what you're going to do in the future. And could you accelerate it more with additional investment? Certainly, but you're going to have to be able to make that business case. Sure. So, so if I hear that right, are, are you suggesting um, that if a firm had perhaps, let's say, 10% revenue growth year over year for, that was consistent for three years in a row, that your forecast, would you base that, you would essentially peg a number on, let's say, 2020, and then 2021 would simply be another 10%? And then uh, 2021 be another trend, uh, 21 or 10% on top of that, or is that is that as simple as you would make it? Well, that's certainly simple and the most conservative way to do it with some proof points that would hold together. Um, because you know, certainly as you look at history, you could argue that you know, hey, we've been able to grow it the last few years, 10% year over year. We think with a similar level of investment and continued investment, we can continue to grow at that level, right? So it seems to make sense, pretty straightforward. Um, I think it's a much harder sell, frankly, or business case to be made that you're gonna dramatically increase growth if in the most recent years in the past, you haven't either been growing or haven't been growing at that rate. Yeah, and that's a curiosity. So we see this all the time. Uh, where we go into an engagement, uh, especially on, uh, uh, it could really be the growth strategy and or a, a sell side type agreement. And you look at the financials in it, and we see it uh, either kind of flat growth or baseline growth. Uh, but when they put the forecast on paper, you know, for certain, to, you know, 2023 is going to be the best year ever, and you're expecting 60% growth. Um, what Kind of what's going through the person's head that makes that uh, 
put those kind of assumptions down and how can what's your advice for kind of producing i would say maybe perhaps a more realistic forecast well i think a lot of people will say you know or there's all kinds of rationalizations that go through the head of business owners as to as it relates to how they make their investments and how fast they grow and frankly how um how they may or may not have invested in a certain area of the business so for example, we, we oftentimes see companies where they underspend on sales and marketing, particularly marketing, if they don't really have a compelling um, market that they can conquer. And in, in some of our other podcasts and some of our other YouTube channel content, we certainly talk a lot about you know specialization, verticalization, productization, and we believe that formula works pretty well to accelerate growth and profit. Um, but if you're, you know, a com what I'll say for lack of a better term, you're a horizontal focused firm and thus you have a lot of competition that puts a lot of price pressure on the business and it makes it tougher for you to sell and market effectively. And as a result, a lot of business owners will underspend on marketing in particular because they just haven't seen it to be effective when the real problem is their, their focus and their messaging and how they go to market. There's a flaw in the strategy. And so, um, you know, sometimes you'll see a, a owner that'll come back and say, I'm changing my strategy now, and I'm confident that I can move into the top quartile growth rate and profit realization of my peers. I just do not have that strategy fully executed. And as I fully execute it, I expect it will change my trajectory. That would be the logical argument. The illogical argument is, well, I want to enhance my value in my business, and I know that I probably can figure this out somehow, so I'm just going to guess at a much bigger number. We call it a wish, not a plan, right? So if you're going to wish that your revenue is going to go up without a plan, believe me, any investor or buyer or anyone else looking at those numbers is going to sniff that out pretty quickly, and they're going to say, yeah, not so much. But if you do have a legitimate plan, one in which you're executing against, not one that you might execute in the future because you know it's the right thing to do, that's not going to hold water. But if you're actually executing on the plan and making those investments now, you can more credibly make the argument for those future growth targets. Sure. Um, why do you think that IT services firms have a such trouble forecasting? You know, I, I'm a little bit at a loss on that. I think that, um, you know, it's a, it, no one wants to be wrong. My, I've, I've kind of settled on, you know, a couple different answers to that question. Nobody wants to be wrong or set an expectation that might come back and bite them. So back to the sell side, sort of, you know, you're going to sell your business. Um, you know, oftentimes there's a portion of the consideration that's, con, uh, that's contingent. Meaning it's either uh, uh, some people will call it an earnout or some sort of milestone-based payment, um, and if they set their forecast too high, oftentimes a buyer will set those thresholds based on their forecast, right? And they don't want to be tied to something they can't achieve. Likewise, if they set it too low, it's going to negatively impact the overall valuation calculation in the business, and they're going to leave money on the table. So it's a 
it's a tough thing. It's a it's a conundrum to say, well, where is the forecast exactly? I think you're you know going to be far better served whether you're doing this forecast for yourself or for in support of a potential M and A transaction to be much more um, transparent and thoughtful about what is likely versus what might happen. And likely has a lot to do with what you've done historically because the momentum in the business, the likelihood of the momentum in the business is going to change dramatically if you don't change things in the business. Um, it's pretty low. And so I, I think there's this push and pull around you know, if we forecast high, we get a higher valuation, but then we may shoot ourselves in the foot in a deal, uh, in the case of an M&A deal. Um, and in the case of just ongoing business, they just don't see the value in forecasting. And many businesses, you know, be my estimate that over, I don't know, I bet you it's upwards of 70% of IT services companies don't do any sort of plausible forecasting um, and maintain a forecast. Um, in their business, they just run it from year to year and don't really think about what their targets are. Um, we think that's a you know a pretty big mistake, and they should have at least a baseline forecast for running the business that they could turn to in the event someone had interest in buying their business and and begin to think about you know what changes might need to be made on the profit line in support of that. But uh, it 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 it's certainly an area that a lot of people struggle with and. You know, I kind of flit around from idea to idea as to why it is, but uh, almost every time we ask for a forecast from a from a from a client, they have to you know spend quite a few cycles working on it. Sure, and I can understand why partially because the IT services business business tends to be a bit uh, either soft tooth in nature. It seems like there's cycles of selling followed by cycles of delivery, uh, and you're taking your eye off the respective ball each each time there. And it's also that there's just some lumpiness within the type of projects that are being executed. Uh, do you have any advice to to companies on you know, how to to build a forecast, any kind of forecasting models? For example, uh, looking at an average sale price of a deal or deal types or perhaps starting with a baseline of recurring revenue and then adding on some per, uh, professional services work on top of that. Um, or even your your average sale price times the number of reps and times the number of deals you expect. Uh, what kind of methods have you used in the past that you've seen have been that have been historically better than than others for give your what's your general attitude on on methodologies for forecasts? Well, I think the easiest methodology certainly comes from history, right? Like we talked about before. But I think it further has to be yeah. vetted in, you know, a, a deep analysis of sort of the average value, sort of client value um, over what period of time. And then it kind of comes back to leads versus conversion of leads to customers, um, ultimately, which leads to, you know, expected realized revenue. Um, managing that revenue profitably is, is much more of a function of how you built the business. Um, but it certainly would be important to focus on, um, I think, a uh, uh, more of a conversion rate 
sort of average client value um, perspective. Because I think, you know, if businesses are running well, they should know those numbers, right? You should be able to pretty effectively look at, you know, here's our inbound leads uh, or leads in general, uh, depending on how you, you get them and how many you have. This is how many we typically propose on. This is how many we typically convert. Um, and then based on your your efficiency between marketing and sales and, and delivery, you can begin to have a pretty confident feel for where those numbers are going. Um, it'll, it'll also better justify uh, your thinking around uh, accelerated growth, right? So we know there's a pretty strong correlation between increased um, marketing spend, if it's effective, um, and or growth growing the sales. We, we've analyzed this for a long time. Um, you know, best in class companies typically spend about 2%, maybe up to 4% of revenue on marketing. And these are guys that are growing at a pretty significant rate. Now, they can't just spend it willy nilly, it's gotta be spent, you know, effectively, uh, but it ultimately drives a metrics-based analysis of conversions and with those conversions, I think you can begin to be pretty confident um, in your growth numbers. And you, and you have to be confident in the numbers in particular to build a budget for which you're going to begin to have increased spend, right? So um, I think the challenge in all professional services businesses is, you know, you have to have the folks to do the work. And when do you make the investment in those folks so you can capitalize on an increased velocity in sales? and Really, the only way to do that is to have, you know, a, a strong correlation between your sort of marketing and sales velocity and, and uh, um, you know, the, the hiring sort of pipeline uh, to feed that. So it's kind of a it's kind of a long answer. But I, I think in the end, what we found is to be most effective for us, frankly, and for our clients is to sort of try to connect the dots between sort of lead gen to sales to average customer value over what period of time. And then I think you can come to a pretty, uh, pretty solid forecast. Sure. You know, we've been focusing a lot on the profit and the, the revenue of forecasting here. Uh, you use a, a quote oftentimes of, of never confuse sales with delivery. And I'd love for you to kind of unpack that statement when it comes to forecasting a bit. Uh, how what's what is the role of sales compared to the role of delivery and how do those two really integrate together uh, to exactly to your point here of of when you're you have to have the right staff on on hand in order to deliver successfully in order to have that ready you really have to have the proper revenue forecasts and and kind of pipeline built out so kind of how, how do you how how do you make sure that companies understand that sales and, de, and delivery um, have their respective roles. Right. It's easy for um, to, to either talk yourself, or, uh, well, first of all, let me start with most of our clients, um, and I would say the lion's share of IT professional services companies are started by um, technical guys, right? Guys that um, are smart technically in their specific domain and they build, they start, you know, billing out some time and then they build a business and before you know it, they're off to the races. And uh, it's easy if you tend to be more technical in nature 
um, to talk yourself into, well, I don't have the people, so thus I should not, and I'm, and I'm fully utilized today. I shouldn't really sell this next project or sell our next engagement or client until I have the resources to deliver it. Um, and, and we would uh, proliferate that you shouldn't do that, that you should sell ahead of demand uh, or sell ahead of delivery capacity, I should say, um, and then have a strong hiring methodology and profile to hire so that you can deliver. Um, because you can always schedule those the, that delivery start date out a month or two or three uh, if needed. And I think if you can forecast revenue uh, effectively, um, you can then uh, forecast your hiring needs pretty effectively and and then hire accordingly. But you should hire, um, you should not necessarily hire ahead of demand. I'm not saying it's it's always a bad idea, but we've seen many firms get in trouble over the years with the philosophy that, you know, we have to hire all these guys so we can go sell an engagement because you just don't know how long it will be before you're in the sweet spot of utilization on those teams uh, or realization in the case of a managed service provider. And um, being able to be smart about uh, having that contract in hand um, before you're fully onboarding staff uh, so that you don't have an upside down or lopsided bench, which causes you to lose money is pretty important. Sure. That makes sense. Uh, I've got kind of, that's all really the questions I had today. I just want to to, make, to wrap this up a bit. Uh, again, uh, what, uh, Mike, just go back when you're projecting the forecast, why is it, Again, why is it critically important and what's the simplest way to do it? If you just sum that all up, uh, we can put a bow on it. Yeah, I think the easiest way to do it if you're contemplating an M&A transaction is to look at history, um, have a good business case for why or you're going to grow the business at a certain velocity in the future and focus on revenue. So let's say you've been growing the business 10% per year in revenue and you're not really making fundamental changes in the business. The easiest thing to do is to keep growing at 10%. Look at your average profit percentage over the last five years and apply that to the forecast on a go forward basis. And if you make no changes in the business, most likely that's where you're gonna land. Now, if you're making fundamental changes in the business, AKA you're changing your strategy, um, then you can expect an outcome that's also changed. And you can begin to uh, forecast differently. Uh, but you have to have a lot of confidence in uh, the fact that those changes are going to net those kinds of results. And they may include things like the strategy changes and the additional hiring that we talked about before, additional spend. Um, and in that case, you can re-sort of index the growth rate on the, on the revenue side and then look at what the impact will be on the profit side. For example, if you have additional uh, an opportunity to have higher utilization through that additional growth um, get more efficiency out of your team then you could certainly forecast a higher profit as well if you feel it's going to be about the same sort of staffing mix and utilization even though it's higher revenue then forecast the profit that your existing business is producing 
moving forward. And you know, then you can you come with a uh, come to a number that you're comfortable with. And I think what's most important is that um, that you 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 as the business owner have the closest view. Uh, or what I would consider the best view of what you feel is possible in the business. And you need to be able to have confidence that you're putting together a forecast that will allow you to achieve those numbers. Now, it doesn't mean sandbag and put a lower number just so you can exceed the number. I think you have to be very uh, earnest about your comfort, uh, be comfortable about what you know your forecast should be. There's a couple schools of thought also on you know, should you have a stretch forecast or a stretch goal? I think those are fine, but you need to understand you got to have a some sort of path to reach them. You can't just say, yep, we're going to grow revenue 50% a year for the next five years. I don't quite know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Well, that, there's some value in that thinking, but it shouldn't make your official forecast, right? It should be, could be a shadow forecast, or it could be what we call the stretch goal or the outside goal. Some of our clients forecast you know, sort of a minimum target, a most likely target and a stretch goal, of, you know, so they'll do all three uh, in assuming different levels of investment or economic conditions. That's certainly another approach. But the easiest approach, as I mentioned before, is to look at history, extrapolate it out uh, and uh, begin to have a, uh, be able to have a strong justification for that growth rate. Sure. And I, I'd, I'd like to add just, uh, you know, stealing from uh, George Patton, you know, a good plan violently executed now is uh, better than a perfect plan executed at some time indefinite, uh, some definite time in the future. So I just encourage anyone that's looking at a forecast today, put it on paper today and refine it as you go forward compared to consternating for the absolute perfect forecast. Uh, we cannot produce we cannot predict the future uh so things like uh covid were a great example of how forecasts can be completely upended so much better today than to to get a plan out there than to 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 think about it for too long agreed well great ryan i appreciate the time it's um time to wrap up this podcast and uh, tie a ribbon on it Again, I uh, encourage you all to, um, you know, we've had, had a variety of these podcasts that have come out on a variety of topics. Uh, certainly be looking for us on Spotify and iTunes and as well as uh, consume our YouTube channel, which you can find at Revenue Rocket. Uh, and with that, we'll tie it out. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you next week.